doing? And to podcast. I've never heard anything less synchronized. Well, you can make it synchronized in the edit. No. No, that doesn't sound likely, does it? No, that's <laughs> no. too much yeah. work. I actually think it should be unsynchronized now that she's talking about it. Yeah, forever. Yeah. Ugh, that would be that would be interfering with the past. And if yes. I've learned anything yeah. from Doctor yeah. Who, it's that Fixed you can definitely don't time. do that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That can never be changed. Uh. <laughs> well, yeah, I can. Uh, okay, well, we, we'll get into that in a second. We'll get into that in yeah. a second. Please, please do the introductions because I have a question about that. Okay, I'll introduce. I'll introduce. This is Doctor Who cast, and this is the Fires of Pompeii, and it was broadcast on the twelfth of April, two thousand and eight. Uh, it was written by James Moran, who Michelle, you remember James Moran from writing uh, a song this summer that was uh, Sleeper for Tortured Series oh, wow. Two. The episode uh, where and that one was the... there was a sleeper. That was the one where the where there was like a sleeper agent and um. Oh, that was the one with the with the woman who's now in the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, that's the one with the actress that's now in the M Night Shyamalan uh, yeah. company. Nikki Amuka Bird, who is oh, great and up at the cabin. Um, and it, was, it was directed by Colin Teague, who you know we, we've met before. So you know, no need to tease us. Back again, <laughs> the duo is back again. Uh, I, I know you got to do the gist and all that. I just want to say, yeah. damn, like what happened to the budget? Because like it just shot up. Like what? Wow, it it looks so good. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Well, how did they get the money to look this good? Because they it's... went to Pompeii. Oh, they went to Italy. They, they okay. Shot, they, okay. Well, they, I think the whole, obviously this exterior. Like, they they did. They, they went to like Rome to to film some stuff. So. All right, you, you really know what? Tell. It, it looks fantastic. The whole yeah. thing. The best you know that historicals it. are all. Historicals are a waste of time if you're a not right in like the heat of the action or the interesting historical thing did happen, uh, mm-hmm. and b if it just looks like a set, <laughs> if it just looks like a set, it's just all a bit sad. But um, yeah, they really know when to go on and do some location shooting. Pompeii looks mm. great, even the interiors. Yeah. Mm. Those interiors, like especially like um, like the Sibylline stuff and the- yes. Yeah, even like the interior location stuff, like the like the caves and stuff, look the great. Um, uh, David, can yeah, you ask me yeah. what I think of this episode, real quick? I just have a bit I want to do. Can you ask me what do you think of this episode? Um, real, real quick, Michelle, what do you think of this episode? Modern art. Okay. Ah, um, like in the episode. Like in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, awesome. Just the gist of this one, little 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 thing. Doctor and the Do- and the Doctor and the Donna. Doctor and Donna land in ancient Pompeii the day before Volcano Day. 
and they run to a cult that worships aliens made of rocks. Uh, Donner wants the doctor to save everyone from Vesuvius, but he's like, uh, it's a fixed point. I can't be, I can't be fucked really. But in the end, he just, he saves one family in the end, um, and it's a decision that you know will never be referenced again in any way, shape, or form. Hopefully, so, <laughs> with hopefully, any luck, we'll never find. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be we'll really never, tacky. Uh, it would. It'd be really, and also it'd be really strange and kind of nonsensical if it happened again. So it, it will never happen again. Um, but yeah, but um, if you want to talk yeah. about the the core drama of the piece, in that it's a trolley problem, it's absolutely something we will be returning to again, many times mm-hmm. over before Tenant is even out the door. Uh, Tenant has never met later. a trolley he couldn't problem over. It's, okay i gotta i gotta ask this question because it's in my mind and it's not it's not indicative of my, of my feelings of the episode i love this episode great episode uh by the way i have never seen this episode until today this was my first time absolutely watching it. insane uh Crazy. i skipped it the first time i watched series four um insane. Uh, but, sure. but i just want to say <laughs> I skipped it. Listen, I don't. I cannot explain this. There are things in the world I can explain. There, you can make a box set of just the episodes I skipped. The skipped four. A, the first time I watched thirteen Doctor episode Earth. seasons. It's not like I like was. It, it was. It was twenty eleven. I was a child. I was fifteen. I had very little patience. You can make a, a box set of like the skipped episodes, which are mainly what. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, Michelle skipped. Uh, Waters of Mars. Yeah, I skipped Waters of Mars. I have oh not seen Waters of Mars. Oh my god. <laughs> so you're not, not missing s- anything Im- <laughs> So you're yeah. not missing anything important then? Okay. I have cool. not seen any of the specials. <laughs> I have not seen any of the specials except uh, The End of Time. I skipped this. I skipped Planet of the Ood. Uh, I think I skipped. I'm trying to look at season two. No, no, no. There's not. There's, there's definitely this. ones you've There's like, one there's I skipped this season two, but I don't remember which yeah, one. Yeah, I'm, I can't so, remember either, but there was definitely one, yeah. You saw the Walking Fat episode and thought, yeah, yeah, this is fine. Is this <laughs> oh, yeah, usual? And then skip to the actual good stories yeah. of season four. Oh, and I mad. skipped, yeah, I skipped, uh, uh, I think I skipped Night Terrors and in season six. I skipped that one. And after that, I, I stopped skipping. Because uh, okay. I don't know. I cannot tell. I, I, I was a criminal. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll go to jail for my crimes. But I was just like. Mark Gates is going to arrest you for not watching Night Terrors. And, and then you'll be laughing. You've been the big well, finish dungeon with them tenants. Yeah, who's <laughs> laughing now? Mark Gatiss with your, with your. Not Mark Gatiss because he wasn't called. People. He wasn't called to the big reunion party. Oh, uh, I have also not seen Christmas Carol and the Doctor and the Widow in the Water Room. Jeez, Louise, Michelle. So we're filling in the gaps. Honestly, that's yeah. probably kind of a fun way <laughs> to like save. You know, save yourself a little crumb for later. That's, then, that's I think, definitely why why I did skip them, and not because I was like, ah, <laughs> eh, whatever. <laughs> Pompeii, the death of millions. No thanks. No. <laughs> I, no. I, you know, I do. I don't remember, but but yes, I skipped it. Uh, the, the, this is not why I brought it up. What I brought it up is uh, the whole episode. The doctor is like, it's a fixed point in time. Cool. Okay. Uh, wouldn't he? The moment he realizes that it's him who makes it also go, then that means that history is sort of in flux. If I can choose not to do it, then that makes it not a fixed point in time, therefore I can save people? Or I am I just... We really I shouldn't that... delve that deep into yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the intervention laws of Doctor Who, because it gets murky. Yeah. I think I think the thing is that um, fixed points in time are just like 
bits of paperwork the time works that want to bother filing so they're just like yeah you can't interfere i'm not going to bother dealing with like you know steve jobs making like the fucking xbox whatever you know uh-huh. i think there's that more to be said about it and, and i think we, that's a big topic we come back to um but where were we just talking about uh it was the oh no i ended i ended the segue and had nothing else to follow <laughs> up okay. with oh, I hate uh, to... oh yeah yeah, yeah. sorry I, I remember i remember Fires of Pompeii is a really odd one to miss out on because it does end up being one of the most important stories of the David Tennant run. Easy. Mm. It comes oh, back and, in. And it sneaks back in in some really creative ways. And on. the fact that you also missed Waters of Mars? Uh, in, my def- <laughs> in my defense, I read Waters of Mars and I was like, pass. Uh, we forgot to introduce our guest. Hey, oh, you're right. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah bigger crimes are being committed right now. Yeah, I'm way not into it. I'm not interested in who I am or what I represent or what brought me here today. I'm much more fascinated in the parallels between Fires of Pompeii and Waters of Mars, including that being... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. uh, You know, like a a mythology (laughs) reference. Those two stories are Mm. linked in very interesting ways because they both tackle the (laughs) non-intervention. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to watch it and figure out what the big deal is and figure out if I hope they get that water in Mars. Uh, oh, you know what the big deal is, Michelle? <laughs> yeah. Is that one of the people in it is the guy from Sarah Jane who goes, they come for the guns and they come for the guns. He's uh, one of the guest stars. Oh, Water of the Mars. Water of Mars? Okay. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I had a similar situation with this episode where whenever Lucius Petrus Dexter showed up, I was like, I have seen this guy's <laughs> face somewhere. And it killed me because every time mm. he w- it would cut to him and be like, I have seen this motherfucker's face somewhere. And then I realized he's the cab driver from the first Sherlock episode. The guy was <laughs> like, we talk Phil Davis. Yeah. The guy who's like, oi, 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 Moriarty did hire me, he did. That's a silliest guy as well, I swear to God. I'm, there's a couple of faces yeah. to recognise in this story. <laughs> who? Well, don't, don't go unappreciated. I don't know who I, don't, I, didn't recognize, I didn't recognize Cassilius at all. Oh, right, um, we're doing this, are we? We're doing this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who he is. Who is this supposed to be? Uh, um, it's very, Phil I, Davis. I will say you know, it is very funny that he's yeah. in this. Do you know Phil Davis? Um, quit BAFTA uh, in part because he went to the recent BAFTA thing he was like that rap fucking is reprehensible and Richard E. Grant disgusts me uh, goodbye I'm never I'm never going to BAFTA again you can tear up my membership card because oh, Richard oh E. Grant no. wore a cape and oh. it was really awkward and, and then Ariana DeBose did the fucking rap and also because Bernard Crippens wasn't in the uh Memorial, he said, like that was the last straw. Mm-hmm. But um, I I like how his name is Lucius Petrus Textris because it's 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 a real like you know my not involved in human trafficking T-shirt it has a lot of questions. people ask a lot of questions <laughs> ask already answered on my T-shirt, yeah. but it's my my name as you know my arm is all stone. Uh, no. Yeah, I mean it, it does mean yeah. in it doesn't mean like Lucius Stone right arm, but that is the name. That's what Petrus Textris means. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do, so, so uh, uh, Sam, you brought it up, and we have to talk about it, of course. There is a future Doctor Who actor in this episode, a very prominent character, who is played by a future um, person who is very important to the world of Doctor Who. And, of course, we're talking about unnamed woman, played by Karen Gillian. With a <laughs> terrible, terrible, like, weird British accent. Like I never noticed. Oh, like, you're right. Mm, you're right. 
It's a huge cast and call of an episode. Yeah. <laughs> they were just like, yeah, Fires yeah. of Pompeii got it all right. <laughs> and actually, in fairness, it, it does rip off. This, the revival does rip, rip off this story for the rest of its run. So it actually is quite influential. Yeah. And, and, just, oh, should, ahead, should, oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, no ahead, please. I was about to introduce myself. I was just about to introduce myself. Hello, I am Davis of the channel Davis, not to be confused with Russell Television Davis. Um, I'm the scrawny YouTube one. Um, Michelle's never watched it before. David, I was just going to ask, like, what's your relationship to this episode? I think it does really interesting stuff with regards to like who the doctor is as like a figure mm-hmm. in terms of like Donna comes in, into this episode thinking, you know, oh, he's a doctor. He travels around saving people. You know, it's all fun and games. And then the minute she asks him, you know, could you help? But could you help like just one person? He's like, fuck off. No, I can't because I'm, I'm, I'm the doctor. You know, it's my curse. It's my burden because I'm, you know, I'm the doctor, you know, well, what, what else would you expect from me? But I think it's such an interesting thing to like, it's kind of piggybacking off of like Runaway Bride as well. How like how series four is so much about like deconstructing who the doctor is and how but like morally difficult, like morally compromising and how, you know, important it is for the doctor to be the doctor and for the companion not to be the doctor. Mm-hmm. And for like supporting characters not to like get dragged into his world. We'll see, especially like later on with Martha and like you know River and like in the finale Donna, like how being part of his inner circle ultimately means you either compromise who you are as a person, trying to match up with him, or you die. You know, um, but I think it is. I think it is like you do raise a good point about like you know the like trolley problems that introduced by this episode, um, and how it is very like it does echo quite a bit throughout you know, I would say up to including today, especially because we, we, they're all back, so, you know, there's going to be mm-hmm. some of that burden there. Yeah, the, the core of this story is, do we detonate Pompeii, or do we let um, use Pompeii to take over the entire world? Um, this moral yeah. centre isn't exactly, it's not even unique to the revival, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a self-assured yeah. woman walking in and laying the moral law down to crusty sci-fi rules that's the revival's main beat and mm-hmm. it's it's the best thing doctor who has it fucking rules um he does come away negatively learning the wrong lesson from <laughs> from saving a family from pompeii in the long run but uh that's that's on him that's on the grand time lord and the curse of the time lord I'm just so happy that Revi- uh, Revival T. Davis decided, yeah, yeah, we're ditching all of this. We are making a story about actual humanity. We cannot limit ourselves with the sci-fi rules over the moral rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, it does all culminate in that very, very good scene with uh, Catherine Tate uh, yelling, like, don't go to the beach, go to the hills, and no one's listening to her. And it's such mm. a good scene. And I, I, I was looking, I was like, damn, like, this is actually, this is really, really good. It was almost as good as the scene when, when like, the doctor comes back for Caselius and he holds out his hand and Caselius looks at him and goes, don't forget to subscribe to the official Doctor Who YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was weird when he said that back in 2008. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I thought it was weird as well when he looked over Kevin's shoulder and Nicholas Perkins was peering out, being like, you know, got some box sets left over and if you, if you sign up for this, you know? But Yeah, uh, yeah Karen Gillan was like, uh, just like chilling in the set, reading the script, and she looked across... Of the the crowd, and she saw Nick Briggs standing still, smiling at her, like you, you are next. <laughs> you will be here forever. <laughs> we, why, have we, why have we turned Nick Briggs into like a horror movie villain? <laughs> what the? Well, fuck are we, we, yeah, why? Why are we? Why are we so mean to Nick Briggs? Nick Briggs is, is it, yeah. He invites on himself. I'm sure he's. <laughs> no, he absolutely doesn't buy it on himself. No. <laughs> anyway, but on to other topics. No. <laughs> yeah. um, you know what's weird? Mm-hmm. You know what's really weird? Prophecies. Yes. Ah. Because, like, like I had, like, a Nostradamus era when I was a kid for some reason. I don't know why. I was, like, I was like really into Nostradamus for, like, a month. I was, like, he's my guy. You know, he's my dude. Um, and, like, when you look into, like, prophecies, it's all this. It's, like, fucking, you know, like, t- like the, the today's version of a prophecy would be, like, you know, fan theories about uh, I guess Doctor Who and stuff well the, the thing about prophecies is that they're also very very vague like if you, mm. I, I, I also got into a Nostradamus phase where I read his prophecies and it's always stuff like uh, one day there will be a boom and somebody was like he predicted the atomic bomb it's like <laughs> no <laughs> come on like guys back up for a second we, we let's chill but the funny thing is that when they start getting super right prophecies in this one, it is very much like, oh, oh no, this is a uh, bad. Uh, this is very, very bad. And and I and I liked um, Lucius Petrus Dexus as like a secondary antagonist, even though after like they find the circuits, his role is mostly to just kind of stand there and glower at the Doctor, which he does a really good job there. Mm-hmm. With that face and, and also to ye- and also to yell about the cult of Vulcan and Pompey rising, what the fuck he says. The um the like the sister of the Sibyline as well, I think, are really interesting. Um especially that makeup that makeup was really, really good on, on the on like the, the main sister, I think. Especially for this era of, of Doctor Who. Um I don't know. I yeah, I don't know. Yeah. For real. For real. I want to talk about um, something that we missed, uh, that uh, we barely missed with this episode. So this episode was replaced a uh, World War II set story called The Suicide Exhibition by Mark Gatiss, our man. It would have involved the Nazi task force assaulting the Natural History Museum in London, which has been overrun by monsters. Later action would have involved the discovery of a secret chamber beneath the museum. Um, I just want to say, oof, oof, I, I want to see that, but also a uh, terrifying thought to imagine this duo dealing with Nazis. <laughs> it's just the Donna it and Sunshine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not done nothing with me, Sunshine. What an odd premise. I'm so happy we got this rather yes. than pretty much anything else, because that does not sound... Like a premise that would allow us to see the best of Donna, whereas this story totally does. Yes, this is mm-hmm. this is like the best. I forgot that like this was like the moment where Donna it becomes a full companion at the end. I thought she was already a full companion, but this is such a good uh, episode for her 
as a companion, for her as like a character. And I dare say, I might say something in the future, in the finale episode, um, which if I had seen this episode before I said that, I might not have said it. So I, I think, um, yeah, I think this was a really, really good episode for Donna. This is like an essential Donna episode. And as a result, it is an essential uh, Tenth Doctor episode. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's her best outing. It's uh, where her gobbiness actually works for the story. Her empathy works for the story. And the fact she can actually put her foot down and say, right, no, 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 I'm not... Like, there's a great line where, like, I don't know what kids you've been traveling with, but you're mm-hmm. not going to tell me to shut up. And yeah. putting that in, like, such an important moment in history, I just, it's, it's fantastic. The Doctor needs his ass kicked more often. <laughs> but, and it's, it's because, like, when you get around to stories like Thin Ice, where the same conundrum comes about, and a similarly outspoken character can throw his own words back at him, like, the Doctor will one day have a the right answer to these difficult questions where he definitely doesn't in fires of Pompeii. His, his, his answer is just ignore it. Go away. We, we in and out. We need to leave. The time Lords were objectively correct. <laughs> yeah. I've never once questioned time Lord logic and judgment. Also, I think this story really could only happen with 10. I think every mm. other doctor would either leave or try to change. Like, I think, I think like 12, Mm, actually, well, twelve. Oh, twelve would be like, would be like, like whoa, by, by, <laughs> whoa, what's going on? Well, that's the thing. Thin ice. He he knows. Yeah. We know what twelve would do. Mm. He would give it yeah. to Donna to make the decision. Give her the agency over mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, whereas ten thinks he is the god of the world, and you'll see more of that in Mortis mm-hmm. of Mars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is yeah. This is definitely the, the starting point of, uh, like Doctor Who, the character becoming so like self-aggrandizing and like self-mythologizing and being like you know i am the most important person not even in the room but in the universe right now because i'm the last member of this race that ruled over time so therefore i make the rules i always yeah. found and, it like, so you see the, yeah oh, sorry go ahead sorry. i always I found thinking... it really fascinating how uh he's just so enamored with the rules he, he genuinely buys into mm-hmm. the time lord's power their authority but there's moments that also just make him look like a little boy lost. Um, there's mm. there's one bit in the story where he describes he describes the tapestry of time. Like that metaphor was taught to him as a school kid in the academy, and he's still reciting something he was taught as a kid by people he actively ran away from. Mm. And it's like, yeah, yeah, he's still repeating mm. Time Lord propaganda. And you have to wonder, is that the entire it's the entire premise of fixed points built on a lie? I have unpacked it before on my channel and I didn't get very far. <laughs> but um, it, I, I always saw Fires of Pompeii as a um, deprogramming story for the Doctor. Um, where yeah. he has to sacrifice that last bit of humanity, uh, sacrifice that last bit of Time Lord uh, control, Time Lord think. And <laughs> sorry, I was going somewhere that for a second. <laughs> he, he's leaving actual Time Lord beliefs in the past and coming out with all new character flaws as a result. <laughs> I would say, I would also say, it is very interesting where the Temp Doctor is eventually going. It does, talking about this, what you said, uh, that this is kind of like him at his most self-mythologizing, it is kind of like... A <laughs> He's worshipped as a god at yeah. the end. <laughs> this, He's this, a household yeah. god, literally. 
This series is also, by the way, awful uh, uh, marble version of David Tennant. Just generally looked like a like that uh, bad Jesus painting that was in fire a couple of years ago. Anyway, but um, knowing where the tenth Doctor is eventually going with the end of time, it does feel kind of like like the show is going through a detox where it's like, okay, if we're gonna hand this off to somebody else. We gotta like get this like shit out, and it's kind of weird that it comes back towards the eleventh and twelfth Doctor. This whole like the most important person in the universe stuff, um, and it also it has never really gone away. It's still kind of there. I I really hope that whatever happens next, that we just go back to like, hey, he's just a, they're just a random person traveling through time. They're not special. There's nothing like that different about them. They're Let's just go back to tourism yeah. instead of yes. the arbiter of all historical events. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think mm-hmm. this story puts that all that stuff to bed so well. Um, and yeah. I know it's not like a great answer. It just save somebody. It's sort of like meeting him in the middle. But yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it's empathy first, and then you know historical history as it has to be decided by who oh decided by the elite deciders of historical canon yeah. of course the time lords yes mm-hmm. that's, see that's dodgy if you're doing a time travel series but i really it's like true. even back in series one every single modern doctor of maybe arguably whittaker sadly has been very insistent just a bloke um <laughs> and his history can be changed it should be changed because people matter more than events, and this comes up time and time again. Um, and it's odd to see David Tennant in this story. By the time of series four, it's odd to see him double back down in that. Now I'm the final protector of of how things should be. It's mm-hmm. like what? Mm-hmm. Don't defend the status quo, Doctor Who, please. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, um, it it also it yeah. is kind of like when you have an argument with someone who's like. Well, but this can't happen because of the Canada show. It's like, well, but but like this is oh, a fictional hey, hey. show, you know? Like <laughs> this is a Don't fictional show. Like that. everybody can, like nobody came <laughs> this isn't like God giving you down by angels. Canon is like malleable. I, I mean, Canon is mm. so I didn't say broken. Arbitrary. Arbitrary. I wouldn't go that far. Broken. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. I also would say I also would say I think thinking of like other doctors in a story, which is something I loved thinking about. Um, there was that account that was posting like photoshopped images of like, hey, here's the what was it? it was like like here's the sixth doctor in Boomtown, like stuff like that. I think like I think thirteen would definitely try to like change history. I think the only one who Ooh, would be like yeah, I would say I would say mm. oh, yeah. I think she goes, loves mm. she loves the status quo. Villa Diodati. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like yeah. I feel like if she met but then if she met like Sailors and all that, she would be like, Alright, gang. Fam. Gang? What the fuck? She says fam, that's the word. I spent like seven years hearing that word and I immediately forgot about it. <laughs> uh, I also do but I do think that one would be like, mm, get wrecked. Goodbye. <laughs> Let's go, Susan. Oh, whoa. It's very funny you bring up one because the, the previous time he's been to this part of Rome, uh, he's been to, near Pompeii. He references it. He 
Mm. He burned Rome. It was the first <laughs> yeah. doctor's fault that Rome burns in the first place. So it's so funny that we're talking about non-interventionism in 2008, <laughs> when back in the 60s, hypocrite old goblin Hartnell's roaming around going... <laughs> it's just, I just love the image of, like, of like one and Susan and... and, and uh whatever and barbara being like oh my god they took mm. the tardis and the one the, the, the first doctor is like I, I got this fam he just walks into bang 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 all right we go let's go get out <laughs> we gotta get out of here <laughs> he gives no shit also rude to eat in chest from the column chester 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 shishar but that's the joke isn't he uh, that he uh, yeah he, well, well chatterton would done yes and no um, um what do you think i mean i, I don't know i, I yeah i, I think well, I, don't, uh, yeah. I think the reason yeah. that the non-interventionism works like like actually focusing on the non-interventionism could be the death nail of doctor who if it does intend to keep like its cheeriness yeah. like, like people said before how far do you go do we get a doctor who episode in ouchvich and that that is the doctor's like logic train of logic in this story too is like where would i stop if i change something and you don't want to see those kind of stories so most of the time you put your fingers in your ears and go la 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 fun doctor who adventure um but at the same time the fact that they are focusing on the specifics of it and this time for drama i think that's why it gets away with it yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just mm -hmm. once I want to see the doctor be like, uh, my new companion, we can go anywhere in space and time. And they go, 1944. And he goes, no, not there. <laughs> <laughs> I just okay, don't touch you're out, 39 to 45. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you like to go? The September 11th train bombings of London. No, 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 no. Out, 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 what? out. That's the first test, actually. That's a new test. They, they, he, they, the doctor brings a new companion in, and they like, all right, where you want to go? And keep in mind, you can go anywhere you want, anywhere in recent time. Any big events in recent time, say 2000 to 2002, do you want to do anything? And if they say 9-11, they go, get out. You, you lost the, you test. the test. That is the test. Yeah. <laughs> out doctor we need to just save get someone out. i don't care get out no 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 and actually if, if that's actually a really good tangent into what i think this story does so well we, we've just joked about a 9-11 comparison very tastefully yeah. um no. but i think yeah of course i think what pompeii does is its main concern is modernizing the past uh it's historical it purposely makes everybody we meet feel modern and real and a breathing actual person. I think it's so good at that for sympathy reasons later. And I really appreciate it like that. It turns Pompeii into not just like a museum exhibit. It turns it into like, like, like Donna to Donna. These may as well be like people on the ground and September 11th attacks. Yeah. No, but you, you get exactly what I mean. I hope. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder what other um, I wonder what other um, in, uh, fixed points in time we can come up with for Pompeii stories. Mm. I feel like I just set us down a tangent that we do not want to go down, so let's forget that. Let's forget. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, let's yeah, not yeah, do that. Oops, oops, oops. No, no, no. Um, 
I'm deleting my my 12th at January 6th race uh, big finish pitch from my computer right now. <laughs> Capital riots. That sounds, that sounds sick in fairness. Um, honestly, if I can just admit something, uh, last time me and Michelle, we we got last time me and Michelle shot the shit over a Dog 2 episode, uh, he did me the courtesy of reading the target novelization. So I thought yes. I would return the favour. <laughs> Oh, I have yeah. just this morning, I've just this morning finished the Fires of Pompeii target novelization. Yeah. It was great. It, it doesn't add much, and then I'm also realising it doesn't need to, because it's such an efficient mm. script. It's like, When you watch it on TV, I don't think the episode I've watched in a hot minute, but it, I remember it being so tight. I remember it being oh, so yeah. efficient. You get in, you get out, there's kind of there's time to breathe but just enough that you can meet and care about the human characters you get to know our side cast but in terms of plot mechanics we get into that volcano quick and we get out of that volcano really quick oh yeah it's volcano day literally <laughs> bop, bop, bop. boom it's really, boom really good. hitting up the, the locations and before you get time. into before you get into novelization i do have to ask if there is a moment in the novelization where they fix an egregious mistake in which donna says are we in epcot donna you fool there is no rome pavilion in epcot how dare you <laughs> correct your joke immediately in fairness that is the single funniest joke of the revival yeah. in my opinion yeah. i love that so much one of these days, I want them to be like, are we in Epcot? And Doctor goes, yes. <laughs> Just pull back to review. Test track in the background. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's actually what you I'm think, I feel, in a I short feel like, trip yeah, actually, now that you're saying it, I mean, they are with Disney now. So it feels like inevitable oh, to God, have an no. episode where it's like, where are we? Open doors. We're in Disneyland, like or something. Oh no, Michelle! Like all the old, um, mm. like all the old sitcoms that would have right, a Disney. They're gonna go to Disneyland. Disneyland. <laughs> yes. And no every doctor really comes back talking about the the elephant in the room. Archie Brunker. <laughs> Michael oh, <I> Eisner. <laughs> Hello. Oh, and they they go Hello, back in Dr. time Who? to stop uh, the Euro Disneyland from being built. Big mistake. <laughs> they already made like, it. Mark Gass has done that story, and I'm not kidding. Point in time, we can't. It has to be built. <laughs> Michelle, I'm not shitting you. That story exists, and Mark Gattis wrote it. Oh, of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> um, I'm not surprised Mark Gattis didn't write my biography. Like honestly, <laughs> with all the writing right. opportunities yeah. he's had, I would be, yeah, I'm surprised. Um, yes, the novelization. More, 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 please. Novelization. Okay. Um, it really mostly focuses on the genuine animosity between Ten and Donna. The novel pushes it a lot further. In the episode, they play it more like back and forth banter and they get a bit short with each other. In this, Donna is properly standing up for herself. Um, she interrogates the specifics of Time Lord interference. She's actually going through the, right, tell me what the rules are. Like, 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 we the viewers are. It's like, no, be specific. Tell us what we can and cannot do, motherfucker. If you're taking us in your magical time machine, then showing me all the all the soon to be dead of the world. You literally, for a first date, have taken me to one of the atrocities, one of the worst atrocities of human of humanity. Um, yeah, and she she refuses to take no for an answer, and I just really like if James. The target novelizations are so interesting because you can tell like a writer has had this idea in their head for a decade at this point. 
and they get to add to it in like ways that they've thought of in the years since. Um, the main contribution the end of the book makes is that not only did the Doctor help them out, get out of Pompeii, he set them up in Rome. He's actually working as a household guard behind the scenes, doing little favours to their family across the years. All of them take on really important roles. Um, actually, I have it right here. If I can just read a little bit. Mm-hmm. And one bit, which is excellent. Oh, go ahead. Um... They were all very talented at what they did, but when they start, they were all very talented at what they did, but when they started out, the family all had several lucky breaks. A nudge here, a word there, the right time here, the right place there. Almost as if someone was watching out for them. They wouldn't know it yet, but their family held onto this luck for generations. Each new set of descendants was similarly fortunate, ensuring their continuing success. They were always drawn to the same sorts of careers. Doctor, protector, architect, storyteller. Variations on the theme over and over again. Thousands of years later, the latest incarnations of the family regularly joked they must have a guardian angel watching over them. He did, and they always will. Doctor Ooh. Who has become a god. Yes. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> it's a way to turn the subtext in, into text. and I like how it's a happy note for the episode to end on. In the grand mm. scheme of things, mm. it really isn't. Mm. It's a really, I mean, there is also that um, webcast they did a couple of uh, years ago where it's uh, like the descendants and they I- imply that the doctor's still watching. Although, oh, that's that then. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's a reference to, to that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's the descendants things. of Pompeii. Yeah. Of his together. <laughs> Although, I will say, I do think that it's like, if you have to ask me, I do think that maybe after Donna left, that's when the doctor was like, you know what? I'm going to take care of that one pe- person I saved, or that one family I saved. It was Capaldi doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, I feel like all of them do it. We, we talk about, we will talk about this in the, uh, in the uh, Stolen Earth episode, but I like to imagine that the doctors all just get in a conference and like organize like every year they go to get together and they're like, all right, uh, six, can you do this? Four, can you do that? They just like kind of pass uh, notes to each other. <laughs> try to organize their timelines. Well, I would do that. It's, if either, I was that, a doctor. it's either that or uh, 10 did it on his regeneration farewell tour. Because Which every single generation of years? their family. Yeah. Every generation farewell tour grows with every passing year. Like at first, when you first it's saw it, so watch it, you're like, oh, I'm, it was like 30 minutes. And then it's, oh, it's actually a couple of days. Oh, it's actually a couple. How many box sets is in this? Like, oh. It's a couple oh, of years, actually, yeah. Michelle. <laughs> yeah. And then he comes back. Like, my guy, get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, I will. Uh, the the final thing I want to say is uh, the scene, the makeup in this is really, really good. Uh, when uh, <laughs> they have the high priestess and she's like made of stone, that is really, really good. It's like that was like kind of scary to be honest with you. Just that thing showing up and being like Pyroville. That was uh that 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 got me a little bit. Also, it was eleven thirty, so I was very tired. But uh, <laughs> it did get get me. 
it's it's the mm. it's the warrior pyroval i'd really want to shout out i love oh, those yeah. designs so much like the cgs even I, I had a toy of it um it's the only doctor who action figure i wish i'd kept as an adult <laughs> i definitely had one of those <laughs> roman centurion lava boys and they were absolutely sick <laughs> it's kind of crazy that they, they that they say that the reason that they were you know kind of telepathic is because they were inhaling the big the big boys Mm. dust off the big boys and stuff like that apparently it's the explosion of vesuvius itself apparently the volcano explosion was so big that uh, it opened a temporary <laughs> crack in time this is true and that's yes. how <laughs> the pyrovile managed to get time <laughs> prediction abilities we, we we all we all know this this is talked about yeah, in, we school. That in school yes yeah I remember yeah. when my teacher was like, so Vesuvius exploded, and then time split open like an egg. Very silly. Absolutely silly. And even sillier. Like, these aren't the greatest Doctor Who baddies of all time. But uh, to make it worse, James Moran opens <laughs> this novelization by saying, they just crashed by accident. They're actually not very... They're kind of doofy. Oh, cool, <laughs> they, cool. They took a warrior... But they just laid in the earth, became like sediment, and then like, oh, fuck. I can't wait to read. I'm going to read this novelization, but uh, I can't wait to read more novelizations for these episodes. I mean, every ep classic episode has a novelization, right? Uh, every the classic, uh, yeah, yeah, the classics. Yeah. Why can't we do that yeah. for the, like, yeah, do it for the modern. We'll get that. Well, we'll just get announced, that. We'll, we get, we're getting Planet of the Ood next month. No, yeah, it's next, yeah, it's next month. Game Plan of the Ood and um, Zygon Inversion and Kablam, uh, oh. which I'm really interested in seeing how they fucking work. I just licked my lips like a wolf. Kablam, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> what's, what's the other one? There's another one, because there's, there's five. One of them is they, they added in like the. They've added in like new stuff to Warrior's Gate, like. Um, uh, a sequel and like a new sequel as well on top of that. Oh yeah, it's War. It's Wars of Mars. Speaking. Of oh my god! Instances, I have time. Wars of Mars is the, is the other the other novelization, which should be interesting, I guess. And, mm. Yeah. It really. There's two ten Doctor episodes. They really, guys. Oh my god. I, I'm glad the ten tenants back. This is gonna be fun. I really wish he was. There's so much tenant. So much man. Let's, let's overexpose Colin Baker for a couple years. You know, let's yes, just put him actually. in everything, everything. That'd be really fun. The thing is, and anytime I tell people about it and they're like, you're just kinda of being ridiculous, it's like, okay, but imagine if like Colin Baker was everywhere. Like every single thing had Colin Baker. Literally, he was like on fifteen I mean he is on fifteen big finish boxes, but like literally he was on the cover of Doctor Who magazine every single week. Put him on the radio times again. Yeah. Like, can you imagine that? They go, oh, yeah, that'd be kind of weird. Exactly, man. That's what's happening that, to Michelle, also, at the same time, and David might agree with me here, Doctor Who is the only show in the world where the most popular, beloved, talented actor could come back and the yes. most popular, talented, beloved showrunner, and it'd be a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, now that you're talking about it, I mean, that does make it British people's one piece, as that uh, recently yeah. viral image, image said. <laughs> It's more JoJo, but yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Actually, it's more JoJo. Very Except much so. Even even the problem solving. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> should we get back to what's the most? Yes, yes, well, so, yes, 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 yes. Oh, uh, Pompeii. Uh, Pompeii. Alan Baker. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. 
what if Colin Baker was you know how they were they're announcing like everyone for like Oppenheimer? Oh hell yeah. Like, I hope that happens. Got, if they were like Colin if they if they were like Colin Baker's gonna be in Oppenheimer is like fucking I don't know. It's kinda like when uh it's, it's, it's yeah. It's kinda like when um Sylvester McCoy showed up in the Hobbit and I got a chance to tell everyone you know. He's the seventh doctor. <laughs> you know, he, he. And my friends were like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else do we have to say about Farza Pompeii? Oh, I've, I've got a fair bit. Is that okay oh, if yeah, I just yeah, go yeah, off yeah. on one? Yeah, uh, what do you guys ahead. think yeah. about the comedy in this? Because it's 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 one of the most dramatic moments in human history, and but it is still predominantly a comedy episode. How do you think it yeah. weighs like the heavy subject matter and uh, back and forth banter? Well, I think the thing that this does that I think a lot of uh, future, future uh, Donna and Doc, 10th Doctor stories try to do is that the banter is there, but it is never superseding the drama. It is auxiliary. It's like a release valve a little bit. So the stuff with the – they set up the Celtic running joke, right? So you go, okay, every time they speak Latin, they say they're, they're hearing Celtic. And they keep bringing it back in like subtle ways, like when the doctor's surrounded by uh, Lucius's guards and he says something in Latin, and then Lucius just goes, "Your Celtic prayers, and I'll save you now." Like that's a great joke. It's a great gag, and it keeps coming back. And <laughs> it is it is that very subtle literally in. And I do feel like after a certain point, it, they just stop with the jokes. Like after mm-hmm. around the time when they get into the uh, cave, that's when the jokes kind of like stop. Because they realize, mm-hmm. all right, we need we got to be a little bit more on top of this. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Sorry, on the subject, like you bring up the di- um, the, tra- the TARDIS translation circuit. Mm-hmm. There's something I love. That's a funny joke. That's like a joke about the fan minutia. But it's actually like integral to the story <laughs> that we're telling here. Like transforming Roman into Cockney. It's, it's plot relevant. I don't know mm-hmm. how he does it. It's a very clever thing James Moran does because the translation adopts because uh, it adapts like voices and sayings uh, into like things that Donna can recognize. Oh, he's Cockney. He's a Marky. He's a Del boy. It makes them feel like real familiar people. people. Yeah, it, that's the point mm. of the TARDIS translation circuit is to make you understand the people around you. And if what are you doing traveling in time and space if not trying to understand these people? And I. Why's Pompeii just refuses to make them feel small? There's a great bit. There's a great bit when Lucius and Evelina start start prophesying a prophecy off. And they both mm-hmm. start like really zoning in on the Doctor and Donna. Mm. It's shot so <laughs> sick. But that is the moment where the episode mm. actually gets a bit real, gets a bit yeah. scary. It's the mm. historical biting mm-hmm. back. Yeah, it's like oh, we actually are ahead of you. Yeah, it's it's so easy when you're doing stories set in the past to have security in being ahead of the all the all the old past folk. Yeah. It's an assumption the cast and the audience of I don't know better foresight or better education. But his two characters reading them like an open book, just like oh, okay, actually this we are out of our depth. <laughs> It reminds me of the bit from Tooth and Claw where uh, they're like Ten and Rose are like bantering and then I think Victoria just goes like 
guys, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what's wrong with you? We can hear you. Yeah, people <laughs> we, are dying. We know what you're saying. They do it again can- in um, uh, of, of, uh, Unicorn and the Wasp, right? There's a bit like that, too, where... I think either Donna or the Doctor makes yeah, with yeah and then Agatha Christie's like mm. somebody just yeah. died. Like, there's characters in this that over here, like you said, we're all gonna die, and it's like yeah, yeah guys, these these innocent people <laughs> can hear your witty banter at their expense. Absolutely, it's it's just like Moran is training you to not think of people you encounter in the past as small. And I I really appreciate that. It's a good way to keep them exciting. Yeah, mm. it's a, it's a very good idea too. Yeah. It's a very, it's, um, mm. I mean, has he written any other episodes? Don't wow. Do, no. But has he written he more television? First time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, he, he wrote, um, James <laughs> Moran's Wikipedia. <laughs> James Moran, he wrote, uh, Cockneys vs. Zombies. That's the only thing I remember him breaking because I remember seeing on. Um, I'm just saying Cockneys vs. Zombies? Um, oh, God. 2010 yeah. was a, not uh, a good time wrote... for society. Yeah. Did you know that uh, um... one of my teachers in college wrote that? <laughs> really? Uh, wow, yeah. amazing movie. Great movie. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, great movie. Brilliant. No, we let him know too. <laughs> now, James Moran, he gets this um... gig from writing Torchwood, obviously, but he's also doing like Primeval mm-hmm. around this time, which everyone calls just the dinosaur Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of funny. That's kind of endearing. <laughs> Primeval is so funny because obviously, you know, I, I really want to do an episode about like attempts to kind of match up with like Doctor yeah. Who success in terms of like Primeval, uh, ITV's Demons, which I think I'm the only person who's ever watched ITV's Demons. Um, stuff like Atlantis, when like that's like the, like, the latest example, like Robin Hood. Um, all these shows that are like, you know, pitched as we need, you know, when Doctor Who is off the air, we need either a competitor or we need something to fill this, the gap. And uh, Primeval is the one that I think is maybe the most successful and also the one that I, I find the funniest. James Moran also, he, um, after this, he writes, uh, he wrote a comic for the Doctor Who website, which I think is just one of those, you know, comic maker, uh, gap filler things he wrote um a highlander audio play for big finish uh which i didn't even know they had a license for that he wrote some stories for tortured magazine which i don't think anyone remembers tortured magazine either he um he wrote a modern vlog adaptation of dracula called mina murray's journal in 2016 wow wait uh if you want to know, if you want to know how much people care about James Moran's Wikipedia page, uh, the the bit about him writing a 2016 Dracula update is uh, written as he will launch a 2016 Dracula oh, series no. rather than he launched. Um, Bogging yeah. on t- in 2016, he's got his finger on the pulse. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I just I think it's crazy how quickly he took to Doctor Who. Apparently, Russell Davis absolutely kicked his ass. He, he, in a good way, in a good way. Apparently, he's he's the best, strictest mm. mentor. Uh, it's at the back of the acknowledgements page. No, um, but he completely understands the spirit of the show, and he doesn't do what some new writers do: is fall into the trap of time travel fiction, which is punched down on the everyday normal person. Because, you know, history is 
is revised and we focus on the, the more influential rich people of history. Um, and this story just refuses to give in to great man theory and it does just focus on a, a random kid. That random kid that Donna tries to pick up and save in the climax. Mm-hmm. That breaks my heart. Mm, yeah. uh, and it yeah. breaks her heart because this book actually tells you specifically she remembers that face. It comes to her in her dreams many years after leaving the TARDIS. Mm. <laughs> Donna Noble doesn't know why, but when she goes to sleep at night, she she sees a terrified, ash-covered Roman child's face. Yeah, that child, yeah. It's kind of, it bit, is, it's kind of a bit dangerous. It's kind of good. <laughs> I will say uh, James Moran is tweeting a lot about the Reddit strike, so solidarity. Uh, hey. the, one, the one good Doctor mm-hmm. Who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the Chad uh, James Moran the Virgin Gareth Roberts the C's Gareth Roberts uh, so yeah how does that keep following me <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, what we're just talking about how a man who died so yeah you know sorry I mean? yeah yeah I'll show my respect who, who, Doctor just yeah. save someone <laughs> no not this time <laughs> <laughs> Away. Uh, so, uh, so he, he, fl- he flies a TARDIS into, into Robert's nature. <laughs> <It's so bad. laughs> oh, man, oh, yeah, man. absolutely. Um, I, I do want to say uh, it is very funny how the uh, sisters just kind of disappear after a certain point. Um, oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The news what is, is the news? The news is dropped. Michelle, I need, to, I need, to, be, I need to, be, to be careful. Jonathan Groff is a doctor. Holy shit. Are you kidding me? They really they they had an in with the Matrix Four people, didn't they? Oh wow! Holy mm-hmm. shit! Um, Davis, does this mean anything to you? This means a lot to me. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> this this is it's on the chat. Yeah, it was uh, on the I'll chat. Post him. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god. Sure. <laughs> That's my reaction to most of the news drops. <laughs> oh, Daddy Eric, he's here. Wow. Hmm. So they're doing a musical episode, right? Is that we're all in agreement? They're doing yeah, a musical probably. episode, right? Mm-hmm. Be. Yep, they got it. Matrix 4, good movie. Everybody watch it. Uh, all right. Um, mm-hmm. Sam, do you have anything else you would like to bring up about Charles of Pompeii? Um... I mean, there's the obvious visual motif of uh, victims of Pompeii turning into stone right before their eyes, like how right. they'll be discovered and, in the future. Yeah, yeah, and also that 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 one guy who gets fried uh, was um, was it was like when he gets fried, you see his ashen like shape on the walls, which is another thing, right? It's another thing they found there. Mm. Yeah, that mm. that's it's just, it's. It's a very clever visual. It's a cool ticking clock that they're big becoming set in stone history, moment by moment. Stopping being... They're losing their... Uh, they're losing their lives, but also they're losing their presence as real present-day people and becoming just like props in a museum. And I just find that really sad. But uh, the book does kind of push that visual idea a bit. It's like, yeah, we get it, James. Mm-hmm. Get it like like in history, yeah, 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 yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. 
do you remember that this is going to be this is very insensitive but do you remember that that like they found the guy in Pompeii who like looked like he was like cranking one out as the fucking volcano there? <laughs> I know, I remember yeah. that. that, that, that I mean, have you not seen that? Yeah, yeah there, there's, there's like a statue of a guy who looks like he's like jerking off as the as Put the volcano him. erupts and. The, yeah, oh, the apocalypse. Beautiful. Save, doctor, save someone. And they, 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 they open the door. Come with me. Come with me. That's juvenile. Oh, oh man, I'll be the first. Oh one. man, that, that, that is. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually so funny. This is the idea. Oh, woof. Sorry, I I love that idea. <laughs> ah man, <laughs> just one person, one person, Doctor, that guy. Doctor Who cast home of home oh. and shit and piss. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay, I got my I got my giggles on. I got my giggles. Uh, all right, next time. The message has gone out. That song resonated across the galaxies. Everyone heard it. Everyone knows. The rockets are bringing them back. The Ood are coming home. We thank you, Dr. Donner, friends of Oodkind. And what of you now? Will you stay? There is room in the song for you. Oh, I've, I've sort of got a song of my own, thanks. I think your song must end soon meaning every song must end yeah um what about you you still want to go home no definitely not then we'll be off take this song with you we will we'll wait i know this dr donna you will never be forgotten our children will sing of the dr donna and our children's children and the wind and the ice and the snow will carry your names forever. You do have to wonder, like, the Doctor didn't, like, give them hush-hush money. If anything, they go on to tell the story, they actually tell the world about that the Doctor and the Blue Box saved them. I'm like, hang on, that's going to be found in the future as well. Oh, yeah. Surely that's like, that actually is uh, divine intervention. I was some, that okay, uh, but... Some archaeologists, <laughs> like, finding... What is this weird David Tennant-looking person in the wall? What, uh, is, what is this? What's like, this? Strange, what's, a strange, what's a strange reel I found in the... Evil of the Daleks part... Oh, <laughs> uh, this is nothing. Bang, get throw it out. It would be funny if we f- if we found if we found missing episodes in Pompeii. <laughs> that, that's where they are. <laughs> oh, man. That would be so funny. Just like that's where they are, guys. We just haven't looked there. They they're all there. Every the single episode of Marco Polo is in Pompeii. <laughs> I think there's just one final matter I've got anyway is that he come out of this story with a feel-good ending. He's met Donna in the middle, he's made a small admission, and now he knows, like, oh, I can kind of break the rules, that's kind of fun. 
Maybe uh-huh. I'll experiment with that in the future. But as a result, we do have a... We have four people survive this story who apparently mm-hmm. do not go on to affect human development in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And that gets a bit rocky there, because after episodes like Father's Day and Waters of Mars coming up, are we not insinuating that little people in history actually do exist? That's not good. Oh, but did any of them go on to write uh, mm. Frankenstein? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I, I stand corrected. I stand down. Because yeah. as we all know, words matter. Words matter. The hard words matter. Like Pompeii. <laughs> not Pompeii doesn't matter, but uh, words. Some words do. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually reading here. It says that Caecilius's descendants wrote uh, Cockneys were to zombies. So I think it is important that you know that family is allowed to <laughs> yeah. survive. So true, that. very true. Storytellers, <laughs> the descendants of storytellers <laughs> and architects, and uh, the guy who wrote Cockney versus Zombies. Oh, and also Mr. Frobisher, who who in Torture with Children of Earth, Four Five Six, very important. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you, you meant oh, you meant the the bad Frobisher. I I said you meant the penguin. Oh, easily the made, too. easily the penguin too. Yeah. <laughs> Found with a lot of influence. Thank God the Doctor saved Frobisher from Torchwood. <laughs> Woo! We could be here with us today. Oh wait, no. I've got I've got some bad news, guys, about Mister Frobisher. Oh no! Oh no! I actually don't know what happens to him because I've never <laughs> seen Children of Earth. Oh, also, no. Okay, f- sorry for the spoilers. Family of four. Hmm. What about him? Hmm. Oh, oh. They don't mm-hmm. get such a. Hmm. Anyway, hey, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's yeah. going on? Michelle. Oh, I genuinely am Michelle. very confused now. Uh. Awesome. Let's stay that way until you watch Shun of Earth, buddy. Okay. Um, it's, mm-hmm. It is coming up. It's your oh, first yeah. viewing. Uh, what What did you make of the fires of Pompeii? Uh, I uh, wish we didn't have a record in our wrap-up yet, but it might just be my favorite Series 4 episode. I don't understand yeah. how I could have I could have said that series four was my favorite without having seen this one. It it's it, it uh it, it is very very good. I'm really getting there in it being one of my favorite, probably the best of series four. And series four is so stacked already. It just it's influential. It's 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 a big episode. It wears its budget on its sleeve, and it's important in ways you don't really realize until until the next series or two. Yeah. It's great, Doctor mm-hmm. Who. It's really tight. <laughs> so let's never have another script from him ever again. <laughs> I'm hearing now that Jonathan Groff is playing James Moran in in an episode about the making of Fires of Pompeii. Now you're just being silly. Yes, I am. Now you're just being, you're, you're now you're being a silly, being silly Billy. Billy. Yeah, <laughs> the whole 9/11 tangent was very above board. 